This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Sarah. And on today's journey, we talk with Matt and Zach about the North Country Trail. They discuss what the trail is. A majority of this podcast focuses on the North Country Trail within Minnesota itself, and some of it is about the Arrowhead reroute, what that means for the trail, and some of the trail, there are gap areas in which trail needs to be built, and so Matt and Zach kind of touch on those areas and what's kind of upcoming for the trail. We also talk about trail work. Uh, One of the goals that we have for 2020 is to get out on the trails and give back to the trails. We've always talked about giving back to the trails, but we went to a presentation that they were giving at Midwest Mountaineering about the trail, and it motivated us to get out on the trail this coming year, and that's where we got connected with them. Yeah, we attended a couple of presentations that Matt led at the Midwest Mountaineering Expo this past fall, and we learned about the Arrowhead reroute. It's actually pretty cool now that it's going through the Arrowhead because you get to see a lot of that beautiful north shore of Lake Superior plus the Boundary Waters. And I actually hiked the entire Superior hiking trail this past fall and was fortunate enough to hike it while it was now part of the North Country Trail. So if you want to get involved with the trail, we will have a link to the North Country Trail Association's website in the description of this episode. And Matt will talk a little bit more about how you can get involved, what kind of opportunities there are to volunteer with either the trail organization or on the ground and as a part of the trail, whether it's maintaining, constructing new trail, etc., So enjoy this podcast and maybe you'll get out and do some volunteer work or plan this for your next through hike. Tonight we are joined by a couple people who are associated with the North Country Trail. Uh, Thank you so much for being on our podcast tonight, you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Before we get started and dive into the trail, why don't you just tell us who you guys are and kind of your backgrounds associated with the trail. Why don't you start, Matt? All right. So my name is Matthew Davis, and I work as the regional trail coordinator for the North Country Trail Association. I've been here for oh, 13 years, and I live in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And right now, my region of the trail is North Dakota and Minnesota. But when the calendar flips to 2020, I inherit uh, the state of Wisconsin as well. My colleague Bill Menke is retiring, and so I get the the challenge of trying to fill his big shoes. And um, Bill's kind of an institution on the North Country Trail. He actually worked for the National Park Service as the trail manager for years. Before that, he worked for the Forest Service, and um, he's worked for the association ever since I've been here. So... Yeah, definitely big shoes to fill, but, um, you know, I've learned a lot from Bill over the years. And just a little bit more about me, I'm originally from Connecticut. I grew up really close to the Tunxis Trail, which is a long-distance hiking trail in Connecticut. 
and grew up also close to the Appalachian Trail and went to college in Maine. And I had a professor named Dave Field who was a, I think he's been volunteering on the Appalachian Trail in Maine for like 60 years. And he, I think he started when he was like 14. And he introduced the idea of uh, joining the Appalachian Trail Conservancy and kind of planted the seed of hiking the Appalachian Trail. And so I did that starting in 1998 and finished it in 2001. And pretty much ever since I've been involved with long distance hiking trails and I've met some wonderful folks, you know, folks like Zach, um, you know, who are really just involved with this trail because they love trails and they love other people who love trails. And it's such a neat community to be a part of. And so I'm definitely blessed. So just getting out and hiking has been such a huge thing for me in I think it was 2006, my kids and I started the um, Minnesota State Parks um, Hiking Club, where you go back on each trail. Each park has a trail, and they've got a password back out there, and you write down the password, and then you get a patch for 25 miles, you know, 50 miles and stuff. So it took us six years, and we finished it, um, did every park in Minnesota. So that was a really cool experience, you know, as watching the kids grow up as we're just knocking them off, you know, going, the state is so diverse that it was really cool to get back in there and seeing the prairies, the hardwoods down in the Mississippi Valley, the, of course, the North Shore, you know, where we grew up. And that's kind of where the passion took, took me, you know, after doing the SHT, did the border route, did the Keck, all that part of that Arrowhead reroute. I've hiked that um, over the years. And just, you know, after you hike it, you get so much out of it. It's really fun to give back to it. Um, by doing volunteer work. Over the years now, I've got six campsites on the SHT that we adopt. Um, I've got on the, the elite latrine digging squad. So we go out and we dig the latrines. And uh, oh yeah, that's where people are like, whoa, you're like the green berets of the volunteers, you know, on the latrine digging squad. So The A-team. Yeah, the A-team. It's, it's cool. Yeah, because those are yeah. some uh, pretty deep holes you got to dig. In November, we went out for a master's uh, um, education in latrine digging, learned how to bell the bottom of it to have more capacity and stuff. And it's more than just digging a hole, you know, it's kind of cool um, getting out there and, and doing that. And people, the really cool thing is when hikers, you run into hikers out there when you go to do your campsites or something, they're like, whoa, what are you doing with all that stuff that you're carrying, you know, and you tell them what you're doing, they're, get, they're really appreciative, you know. So that's always really rewarding when even people are there at the campsite using it and you're in there doing your stuff. And, yeah. And I'll just, I'll just echo that, you know, that is a pretty cool experience. You know, my wife and I, we've got four kids and we adopted a section of the North Country Trail in Itasca State Park. And we've been doing it ever since my oldest two were five and they're now almost 13. And it's the same thing. You know, people, when we started, you know, we tell them what we were doing and they're like, your kids can't walk that far. That's like child abuse. And we <laughs> said, you know, not child abuse. They had a great time. You know, they enjoyed it. You know, kids, five-year-old kids can hike five miles. You know, right. Most adults don't think they can hike five miles, but, um, you know, we may have had to bribe them with M&Ms, you know, for the last yeah. mile uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, hey, we'll stop and get ice cream on the way home. But they loved it and they continue to love it. You know, my family was out there in October on our section of the trail and it's just great to to hear your kids talk about our section of the trail. I don't know if there's anything better, you know, as a hiker and as a parent to hear your kids have that sense of ownership, you know, of this trail that, you know, they want to give back because they've had some fun on it. And, you know, as 
somebody that works for the North Country Trail Association, we need, you know, more stories like that. We need more younger people, you know, more families to get involved because most of our volunteers are in that 55 to 80-year-old range, and some of them have literally been volunteering, you know, like it's a full-time job, and they're getting tired, and we need more folks to kind of step in and shoulder some of that burden and, um, you know, continue this, you know, well on into the, the 21st century. Pretty cool that you guys can like volunteer with your families. So you kind of make it a volunteer trip, but also like a family fun camping trip. It sounds like. Yeah. I think it's yeah. they're younger because when they get about 11, then they kind of like, Oh, do we have to do that again? But then when they hit about 16, then it kind of comes back and I think it kind of hits them like, Oh yeah, this is something that's really cool and important and that we like to be doing. So there's always a, this kind of that preteen era, yeah. at least for mine, <laughs> that, that kind of wore off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, yeah, otherwise when they were little, it was, you know, it's, yeah, it's our campsite, you know, it's Pen Creek is our campsite. It's been our campsite for since 2006 or whatever that was that we started. Can you kind of talk about how your kids got involved originally when you were volunteering with them? Well, I don't know. It was just, hey, we're going to adopt a campsite. This is what we're doing this weekend. We're going to go hike in. Um, our campsite's about two miles um, from the trailhead at Silver Bay. So it's about a four mile in and out. It's um, you got kind of one big climb right away and then a big descent, then across a big old muddy spot and then up again. And it's kind of cool is through the years, we've, we know every little spot and we've got little places like um like when you come up that second mountain there's a spot we call the resting rock because that's where we always kind of stop and and get something to drink and rest for a little bit and then there you go around the corner and there's the big view where you look over the little lake and you kind of go down into the uh, lower area and you come back up and there's the hollow rock because you kind of step on it and it sounds all hollow and then there's a spot where i fell off a couple years ago it's kind of a six foot rock and for some reason I've hiked this thing probably 30, 40 times in my life, you know, between volunteering and just going out hiking and backpacking trips. I don't know. I lost my balance and all of a sudden I fell off this rock backwards. It was one of those like, boom, I landed, my glasses fell off. That was the worst thing that happened. I was like, oh, I can't find my glasses for about half an hour. And I almost had to crawl out. But anyway, there's that spot and there's the slanted meadow and there's all these different places that we always have these memories of stuff that happened on every part of this two mile spot. So over the years, we've got great memories. We've got the time it was like 90 degrees and we hardly, we we're running out of water and we we're just like, oh, how much farther, you know, we, were, we had another time when it was raining the whole time. We have a time we came in and there was a bear cub in the campsite. Um, so if we've been doing this for 14 years, I think, times two, that's 28 times we've gone in and out over all those years. So that's a lot of memories. Um, and then, so with the North Country Trail, it sounds like you've done lots of volunteering in a few areas. How did you get involved specifically with the North Country Trail? It's, you know, it's mostly Superior Hiking Trail, but I've, um, you know, just Matt's like, hey, we're going to try to recruit some volunteers and the Iron Range. So what can we do? So I've been helping out, you know, with some of the publicity stuff with some of the, um, just getting people to know about the North Country Trail. 
um, is pretty much what I've been focused on so far is just getting the awareness out there. Um, and, you know, just telling them like, hey, you like the Spiragin Trail? You like the Keck? You like the border route? That's all part of the North Country Trail now. And hey, look at this. It extends into Wisconsin, to Michigan, to Ohio, to Pennsylvania, to New York. You know, you can go up to North Dakota and people are like, whoa, really? Like, yeah, just get on the trail, hike this way. You're going to be in North Dakota eventually. Hike that way. You're going <laughs> to you're going to go into Vermont. It goes through a lot of states, it sounds like. But I think a lot of people just don't know what exactly it is. So can you right. guys just give a little bit of background about the North Country Trail and how old it is? and how its popularity has been going up over the years? So the North Country National Scenic Trail was designated by Congress back in 1980. Uh, this, I think it was the same day as the Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin. And it's administered by the National Park Service, but it's built, maintained, promoted, and protected by volunteers affiliated with the nonprofit North Country Trail Association. Uh, and we kind of operate through local chapters, but also affiliate groups like the Spirit Hiking Trail Association, which Zach is involved with. But, but one of the interesting things about the North Country Trail, you know, like some of the other long distance trails, there's kind of like a father figure, a mother figure, somebody that, you know, stood on a high point and said, boy, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we had this trail going from way over here to way over there. Uh, we don't really know who first dreamed up the idea of the North Country Trail. We think it was actually the U.S. Forest Service in Wisconsin because there was a, originally a trail across the Schwamigan National Forest in northwestern Wisconsin that was called the North Country Trail. And we think that the Forest Service, somebody in that agency said, boy, it'd be kind of neat to have a, a trail going across the northern tier of the United States that connected all of the national forest units. There's the Green Mountain in Vermont. Uh, there's this teeny tiny Finger Lakes National Forest in New York State, the Allegheny in Pennsylvania, the Wayne in Ohio. Uh, there's a couple of them in Michigan, the Schwamigan in Wisconsin, uh, the Superior and the Chippewa, uh, although the Superior wasn't, wasn't included in the original proposal. And then actually we have the Cheyenne National Grassland in North Dakota. And so it's, it's kind of a neat story. That's really what we think is the genesis of the North Country Trail. And you know, it's been around for almost 40 years, and we've got uh, about 3,100 miles of trail that's built and on the ground, but our trail is somewhere in that 4,600 miles to probably closer to 5,000 when it's, when it's all said and done. So we've got a lot of work yet to be done. In those gap areas where we don't have off-road trail, we have a roadwalk that connects them, and, you know, that roadwalk can be everything from a designated roadwalk where we actually have blue blazes on like power poles or street signs or whatever and people can follow it to places in North Dakota where we don't have any volunteers and we just publish a route, kind of a suggested route, but really hikers are kind of on their own to get from one trail section to the next. So it's, it's very much a work in progress, but you know, 3,100 miles in 40 years is pretty amazing you know, it, it really goes to show what volunteers can do, you know, when they have the support of federal agencies and state agencies and willing private landowners. You know, it's it's really remarkable. Um, but we, like I said, have a long ways to go. And here in Minnesota, we've got a couple really big gaps. The one that we're talking about in northeastern Minnesota, where we're hoping to build trail and over the next couple decades, and then the one in 
far western Minnesota, which is a, a big challenge because uh, once you get south of Highway 34 between Detroit Lakes and Park Rapids, the public lands really thin out, and we need a lot of private landowners to agree to host the trail on their land. Whereas northeastern Minnesota, we got a lot of public lands, and even some of the big private landowners like Blandon Paper Company, uh, they're very supportive and, and willing to host the trail on their land. So, uh, you know, it's it's really diverse. That's one of the cool things about the North Country Trail. You know, it goes through 5,000-foot mountains in the Adirondacks in New York, goes along the Great Lakes, uh, and then you've got, you know, the Great Northwoods in Michigan and Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then you end up in the tall grass prairie in North Dakota. And at the far western end, you're actually on the, you know, at the western terminus feels like you're in the west. So it's, you know, all the way from New England to the west. It's a pretty, pretty big trail. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. Um, a few years ago, it was like in 2012, I was working on a project on, on a bridge on the Spear Egging Trail. And we were with this pretty, a really cool crew, and we we're sitting around the campfire at night. And this kid I know um, that I was working with goes, yeah, next year I'm going to through hike the North Country Trail. I'm like, whoa, really? He's, yeah, it's a dream of mine. You know, I know people who've done the Appalachian Trail and and uh, that's really inspiring. And right when I graduate, I think that's the only time I'm ever going to have. I'm going to go do it. So um, it's my friend Luke Jordan. He went and he did it. It was really cool um, following along. You know, he put these blog posts together. And when he came through town, I got him a pizza and and uh brought him to a really sweet campsite that i know on mccarthy beach is one of the spots where hopefully the the trail will go and followed along and um he finished it uh, he started in march and ended up in october so it was a really cool story and now he actually works for the north country trail so that was kind of a, a cool firsthand thing that i was following along when he was doing it a few years ago and then he wrote a book and and uh it's a it's a fun read, you know, every, every day it's like, okay, get up today. I did 30 miles or some inhuman thing. He's got his nickname is his trail name is Strider. Cause he's got these long strides. Like I would look when I go that year, I would go and I'd be on the SHT and I'd go to the trail registers and find where he had signed. And like, yeah, today I did 25 miles from here to here. And it just, Whoa, you know, just some impossible distance that I just, it was so impressive. And he, I even went over to Wisconsin on the Brule St. Croix Portage, and I found where he had crossed there. There was a trail register there. So that year, it was kind of fun to go and find all the different spots where he had signed his name on trail registers and stuff, just to see his progress. So, but yeah, that really kind of inspired me also to kind of get a little bit more involved in the North Country Trail. It's the kind of the, you know, I'm kind of mostly still Superior Hiking Trail, but yet this whole expansion to this big national trail is pretty cool and inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing that, one more thing that I'll add that, uh, you know, you, you asked about, you know, in increasing use of the trail and 2016, you may remember that, you know, the national park service celebrated its centennial. We came up with this idea of a program to get kind of challenge more people to get out and use the trail. We call it the hike 100 challenge. And, you know, we had thousands of people that, you know, went out and, and tackled that challenge of, of trying to hike 100 miles. And we, we kind of set it up. They could do it however they want. They literally could hike the same mile 100 times or they could do, you know, a 100-mile stretch all at once or anything in between. 
And it was so successful. We got so many new people out onto the trail that, you know, we did it again the next year and we kind of added a hike 50, you know, so that if people didn't feel like they could hike 100, they could still participate. And next year we're going to be doing it again. Um, so I think that's going to be the fifth year. And I should ask Zach, I think he's got all the patches. Yeah, I got all the patches. That's put on by the North Country Trail, this challenge. Yeah, yep, yep. And yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, this this year in 2019, um, a lot of people have, finished the hike with their dog and will actually send a certificate and a patch for their dog as well. And so we've got all these great pictures of people, you know, proudly standing there with their dog, you know, and holding two certificates and yeah, it's just kind of neat, but you know, there's really tons of great stories that come out of that. You know, people hike the trail for a variety of reasons, you know, um, maybe they had some kind of loss in their family and, and going out on the trail is a way for them to kind of, you know, get away from, you know, the distraction of life and be able to think about, you know, people or events or whatever. Um, it just, you know, that's what these national scenic trails are all about is a way for people to connect with nature and to have uh, a great outdoor recreation experience. Um, and, and it's really kind of an unconfined, you know, experience, you know, to use the North Country Trail, you don't need a permit. You don't need to tell anybody that you're going out there you just go out there and you know experience it however you prefer um assuming you're not riding a, a motorized vehicle because that's one of the few things that are outlawed on the trail um you know under your own foot traffic you're welcome to go out there and how as you see fit so so yeah use is definitely increasing and and we're actually seeing more interest in long distance hikers as well um you know there's probably only about 20 people or so that have hiked the whole thing but you know we're seeing more interest i think 2020 there's maybe three or four people that we've heard about that are you know going to try and through hike the trail and what we're seeing is more people who've done some of the other long distance trails and have kind of fallen in love with the experience and they kind of see the north country trail as the, the long one let's you know i've cut my teeth on the at or the pct let's try you know, a hike that's really as long as both of them combined. Yeah, and when people through hike it, do you know have they generally started from the east or the west more so? I think more people start in North Dakota because you know it's it maybe a little bit easier in spring or late winter. Right. Yeah, you don't have the mountains in, in the Adirondacks to you know, now in Vermont to deal with. Um, but still, you know, March in North Dakota can be, you know, anything. It can be spring or it can be winter. You know, Luke, when he hiked in 2013, he had a lot of winter. You know, he did a lot of snowshoeing. All the way to so, Ely. Uh, there was, I think the last guy to through hike the trail actually did something ingenious. He started in Cincinnati and he hiked over to New York. And I think he started in January. And then he went, because I think he was also from Cincinnati, and then he went back to Cincinnati and then hiked out to North Dakota. And I met him in the summer. We were out mowing the trail, and he's like, yeah, I'm almost done. And, and you know, we didn't even know he was out there. Uh, then he wrote a story about, you know, his hike for our magazine. And, um, yeah, to me that's kind of the best way to do it because you can start in the warm 
place on the North Country Trail, you know, and the foothills of the Appalachians. And, you know, you can't really hike too many other places in January on the North Country Trail. The weather can just be too brutal. Yeah, the weather comes. uh, Definitely need to consider that when hiking any trail. Um, What about campsites on the trail? Are they pretty easy to come by or is it kind of make your own campsite on this trail? It's got both. Um, it has sections where, like the Spear Hiking Trail is a great example. There's 90-some-odd campsites. Uh, elsewhere in Minnesota, we've got a, about a 180-mile section between Reamer and basically Detroit Lakes. It's got maybe a campsite every 8 or 10 miles, so not nearly as many. Uh, other places along the trail, we actually don't have any designated camping. Um, one of the challenges that we face is there's some land managers that allow the trail to cross their land, but they're not really too keen on some of the other infrastructure that goes along with a long distance hiking trail, like campsites and trailheads and all that kind of stuff. And so it it really does require a lot of planning if you try to do a long distance hike on the North Country Trail, because it's not like some of the other trails where you just go by the maps, by the guidebook, and go out there and kind of figure it out on the fly, you really need to do your homework and figure out, okay, in this gap, I can't camp. It's not allowed along the trail. So I need to be able to hike from this campsite on this long gap. And if I can make it into this town, there's a campground in that town. You know, there's a lot more of that kind of situation on the North Country Trail than than maybe some of the other long distance trails. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, do you think as the popularity goes up that that might change, that there might be more, like, like their tr- towns might turn more into trail towns and there might be more trail magic along the trail? Do you foresee that in the future? I do, definitely, yeah. We're already seeing it. You know, towns are starting to embrace, you know, the North Country Trail as an asset. You know, we have a trail town program that, um, you know, has been around for maybe five years or so. and. Um, you know, we're kind of starting that second iteration of really asking the town to do more to embrace, you know, the North Country Trail and to provide some of those amenities. Uh, and there are amenities not only for North Country Trail hikers, but, you know, if a town has a has a campground, that's going to benefit long-distance bicyclists, canoeists, you know, really anybody that's enjoying the outdoors, you know, is going to take advantage of those same opportunities. So, yeah, we're seeing, you know, more. I think the, the bigger challenge that we're going to face is those big gap areas where, you know, there's a big gap area north of Lake Ashtabula in North Dakota where there's maybe 100 miles, maybe even 150 miles where we don't have any trail on the ground. And, you know, so there's no designated campsites except for communities that have campgrounds. You know, I think our next step once we have more volunteers involved would be to look at a gap like that and say, okay, you know, what might be a good spot to go and talk to a private landowner about allowing North Country Trail hikers to camp, you know, in their yard. It's already happening. You know, the hikers are are just knocking on people's doors as they go, and they're finding, you know, a warm reception because, you know, like in North Dakota, the great example, people are kind of amused and curious as to why people are walking across North Dakota, you know, carrying a backpack. And so, you know, they're they're generally, you know, pretty welcoming. And so we've had, you know, some good experiences with landowners really, you know, discovering the trail and and supporting it by helping hikers. Right. I think there's a lot of trail magic out there, like in Luke's book. 
I don't know. I almost wanted to go reread it again, then just yeah, keep trying. Do, the, do you happen to have the name of that book? Yeah, it's um, Through and Back Again. Okay. Luke Jordan. It's on Amazon. You can get it. Um, but you can, I, I want to go reread it and just tally how many free beers that he got. From, <laughs> <laughs> almost like, and how many pizzas he got. And how many people are like, hey, do you want to stay at my place? Crash on my couch? I bet you, yeah. you probably got 150 beers and probably, you know, 80 pizzas. And how many nights, you know, people are like, oh, cool. Because they, you know, they probably hear about them. Because, heck, when you're hiking from North Dakota to Vermont, it's kind of a big thing. And when, you know, yep. the word kind of spreads, like, yeah, there's this crazy kid coming through. He's, he's hiking this whole way, you know. And then that small town newspaper will do a thing on them and then the next one will and the next one then also it's like whoa check it out you know i've ran into through hikers or people trying to through hike um a few times actually there are these two guys from i think they were from michigan and you know i'm just out hiking and all of a sudden hey i see these guys and like i usually ask them when I, we talk a little bit like are we through hiking and some usually it's like they're through hiking the spear hiking trail but every once in a while yeah i'm through hike. we're trying to through hike the north country and usually it seems like they get into the UP of Michigan in June and those bugs, that's kind of where you really lose the, the passion for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, June in the UP will pretty much suck the life out of you. Um, but I ran into this guy, Al Learned, a few years ago. I was at Crosby Manitou State Park just doing a day hike. And I was at the trailhead just kind of packing up, getting ready to go. And all of a sudden he comes out of the woods and I had kind of followed him on online. I'm like, Hey Al, how's it going? He's like, well, you know who I am? I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Trail celebrity, man. It's like, Whoa, that's kind of cool. <laughs> he was kind of startled that I knew who he was, <laughs> but I knew he was kind of in that area. Just you follow online and where these through hikers are. Yeah. He was kind of shocked <laughs> that I knew who he was, but yeah, I think there's no, um, I think there's a lot of trail magic out there. It seems like almost everybody I hear, I ran to guys through hiking um, the Spearwagon Trail there from Iowa. And they were at our campsite when we were doing maintenance one time. And they were asking all these questions and stuff. And they had a bunch, big, I saw their big pile of garbage, you know, this bag that they had. I'm like, hey, do you want me to bring that out for you? Oh, cool. Thanks. We've been hauling all this, like nine days worth of garbage. Like, yeah, no problem. I'll bring it out for you. So I think people, tend to do that for people, especially when you see them, they look so worked, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, our volunteer community, you know, prides itself on helping hikers because they just like seeing people out there using the trail, you know, whether it's a day hiker or a family, but long distance hikers in particular, because I think they, they recognize that, you know, long distance hikers kind of help us, you know, be more like some of those other trails uh, that we share that National Scenic Trail designation with. And so, like Zach was saying, you know, that word spreads across the trail and, and the chapters say, hey, you know, that, that long distance hikers coming our way, you know, who can go out and meet them, you know, at the trailhead or who can invite them, you know, home or who can give them a ride or, you know, whatever. And, and so it's kind of that, you know, red plaid nation rolling out the welcome mat to, you know, these long distance hikers. And, and I'm convinced that if somebody hiked the North Country Trail, they could literally spend every night in somebody's house if they wanted to. And that, sometimes can be a challenge is, you know, if a hiker is not out there for that reason, you know, we can kind of be a little overwhelming yeah. um, just because, it, you know, we love to help folks and, you know, we love to have their experience be 
um, you know, improve by, you know, helping them out. That kind of like warms my heart because I like love trail community, but like the idea of a whole through hike to me and just being on the trail constantly sounds rough. So maybe this is the trail for me to through hike. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the last lady, uh, Annie Nelson, she hiked, I think about 1400 miles of the trail this year. And she started in the Northern lower peninsula of Michigan at our annual celebration. And she hiked I think all the way to a day into the Kekakabic Trail. Um, so she got into the Boundary Waters, and then she realized that, you know, she was sick and she needed to get medical attention, and so she got off the trail there. Um, but her plan was to hike half of the trail. You know, starting roughly in the in the middle in, in Michigan, she was attempting to go all the way out to North Dakota. Um, to me, that's a great way to do it because one of the challenges, you know, like Luke – hiked 25 miles a day for six months that's what it takes to hike the north country trail and and that's just overwhelming um you know even with light gear you know that's just a long time to be out there you know like luke was what was he zach like 22 yeah 22 23 you know yeah you know his body was starting to wear down at the end and so you know it's just a difficult thing um you know, if you were going to hike it, um, you know, an average, you know, like 15 miles of the day, you know, it's something like 11 months of the year you're going to be out there. So, right. you know, the scale can be totally overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. That is very overwhelming. I mean, no one really has the whole, that's an entire year, basically. Yep. Yep. So how about all these volunteers that are doing all these amazing things on this trail? How does one get involved with volunteering and what kind of volunteer work specifically can they do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I will share a, our website, which is just northcountrytrail.org. And we've got a tab on there. It, it, it's at least current now. I think our we're going to have a new website coming out sometime soon, but but I'm guessing there's still going to be a prominent tab for for volunteers. So if click, people click on volunteers on our website, you can read more about, you know, what volunteers do. Uh, but really this part here, you know, volunteers are the heart and soul of the North Country Trail, which is really true of all of the long-distance hiking trails all across the United States. You know, without volunteers rolling up their sleeves, you know, we wouldn't have nearly the hiking opportunities that we're able to enjoy in the United States. Um, so there's there's ways that people can get involved. The first step, the easiest one, is they can fill out a volunteer interest form where basically you just share your contact info. You know, like if there's an area of the trail that you might be interested in getting involved in, you can specify that. That'll go to headquarters, and then usually they'll send that out to somebody closer to where that person lives, and then we'll reach out and, and see, okay, what kinds of things does this person want to do? You know, where do they want to volunteer? And, and trying to put them in touch with, you know, the local chapter or a project that's in their backyard, you know, basically try and be that matchmaker between what they want to do and, and the opportunities that we have. And really, that's the beauty of the North Country Trail. And, and like I said, all of the trails really, no matter how old somebody is, no matter how, you know, capable they are of swinging a Pulaski for eight hours a day, you know, no matter what special skills they have, there's a great way for people to get involved and to make a difference. You know, we've got people who don't do any physical work on the trail, but they go out and they talk to private landowners and, you know, get permission to build a new trail and make sure that 
existing landowners are happy with the trail and there's not you know problems that that we need to address so really anybody that has an interest uh, you know we've got people that lead hikes we've got people that focus on trail maintenance we've got people who just go to community events and promote the trail you know like Zach was talking about going to the outdoor adventure expo that's kind of like trail promotion you know with a fire hose you need you know thousands and thousands of people and get to talk to a lot of folks about you know the trail and so that's kind of uh kind of exciting but you know we've got opportunities for people to get involved one day we've got opportunities for people to adopt their very own section of the trail and and go out you know three four times a year and, and do all the maintenance and then we've got opportunities for people to do special things like you know going on a week-long canoe trip in the boundary waters to help clear part of the CAC or the border route trail, which is, uh, you know, probably some of the most advanced. And then, you know, Zach can probably talk a little bit about some of the cool things he's done as a volunteer on the Spear Hiking Trail, because they've got uh, really one of the best volunteer programs of uh, the entire North Country Trail. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's kind of the same type of thing where on the SHT on their website, you can sign up, you know, to get emails for volunteer things. And it's kind of cool that whenever there's a volunteer opportunity, we'll send out an email. Um, like I said, when I started getting involved, one of the things, the first thing I did was adopt that campsite. In fact, it was the first campsite I ever camped at on the SHT. So um, it was, it's always been really special for me and my kids to adopt that campsite. But I always, you know, just keep checking my emails. Every once in a while will be something. I'm like, oh, I'm free for the weekend. I'll go out and, hey, we're going to build a bridge over this river or we're going to take apart a bridge that got washed out by a flood. Um, did that on the Encampment River a few years ago. Um, trail building when we extended the trail from Two Harbors down to Duluth and then onward to the Wisconsin border. Um, it was really cool to be one of those last crews in there, you know, swinging the Pulaski and, and building that section of trail. In fact, uh, a couple years ago, I think two years ago, I went and I hiked that last stretch again. And I knew exactly that corner on this one knoll that I worked on. I'm like, oh, there it is right here. I remember swinging that, that Pulaski right here on this spot. You know, all these ferns were really grown up and had to get through those roots and stuff. I've, I always love doing the Adventure Expo, going there, talking to people about the trail, just telling stories. People will just come up, hey, where's a good spot for a weekend to, to go? And you can just be like, oh, here's a good spot. I'd go here to here, camp at this spot right here. You'll see this, you'll see that. And, and then all of a sudden that'll come into a story about, you know, some <laughs> great weekend that I had. And then, oh, you should, then you should go here and blah, blah, blah. And they'll get all fired up and, and you'll show them the maps. And you'll get the guidebooks out and like, oh, but there's another one. If you don't want to go so far north, do this route here. And it just gets people all excited about getting on the trail. And then I always tell them, you know, and then once you fall in love with the trail, then you'll want to get back. And then I kind of give them the volunteer brochure and, and uh, get them all excited to go and help out. And it's really cool how many people you meet out there doing trail work. And now over the years, you kind of get this core group of us that you see every year. Um, every spring, we'll do a volunteer weekend in Finland and we'll get together and um, go out and clear trail because of the trees that always fall during the winter. We'll go out with, um, one chainsaw sawyer and a couple guys with loppers and we'll clear a section of trail. But like Matt said, this, um, there's stuff for everybody to do. We'll have um, three women that are always in the, in the kitchen at the rec center cooking for us. Cause you get off the trail and Hey, this, the association will give you food. I'm like, Holy cow, we're getting fed. 
and we get breakfast in the morning before we go out again on that weekend. It's kind of one of these special weekends where you get a lot of work done, so they give you a lot of a lot of perks. And every once in a while, somebody will give you a T-shirt or you know something like that. Though it says that you're on the elite latrine digging squad, and then people are like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" Because um, SHT happens, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I've, I've really gotten a lot of, and a lot of friends who I see every year, a couple times a year that we do the same stuff together. You're like, oh, hey, we're getting together again and going out and doing this, you know? So over the years, you get a really good friendship, a little core group. Um, every We have a, um, it's called Hike Fest every year where you we'll get together and um, it's kind of the annual get together where there'll be group hikes and stuff like that and presentations and um, we, they used to always be at Wolf Ridge where everybody'd stay there, except for my little core group. We stay at the campground in Finland and we always called the off-campus party because we're <laughs> most people actually we're really not. We just sit by the campfire and, you know, we probably stay up just a touch later than the people at Wolf Ridge, but I didn't know. you guys prefer to sleep on the ground. Right. Exactly. I'm not sleeping in a bed for crying out loud. <laughs> people ask me all the time, where's the best place to stay in the north shore i'm like i don't know i don't sleep there inside <laughs> i don't know i know right so. you can tell people the trail and the sites but right i know great campsites but i don't know what a hotel to stay in <laughs> so but um yeah it's so rewarding getting out there and, and um and helping out and so um yeah when i heard that you know we need to extend the gap from the end of the keck to to Reamer, it's like right in my neighborhood. So I guess I better help out with that too, huh? <laughs> it's kind of, um, it's just kind of drawn to it. Like, all right, yeah, we got to build more trail up there. All right, let's yep. do it. <laughs> and so and we're hoping that, that like. Oh yeah, sorry. Like with building that part, is there like specific weekends you guys have planned to go out and build that section of the trail? We're, we're getting to that point. Uh, you know, this map that I have up here kind of shows the Arrowhead reroute. And, you know, it, it, it kind of is in a variety of states. Um, we have a chapter in Grand Rapids that's been active for the last 10 years or so. And it's kind of a funny story. You know, I worked with uh, some partners up there, and we actually got some money from the Itasca County Trails Task Force to do some outreach. And we got this chapter going. And we were all excited and saying, well, any day now, Congress is going to pass this legislation that's going to be the official route of the trail. And you guys will be able to go out there and build, you know, new North Country Trail. Well, it didn't happen until this spring. So that chapter has been kind of like in this weird limbo state. But um, they've built some trail north of Grand Rapids on some, uh, there's some land owned by the University of Minnesota and Arbo Township and... I guess that's the two big ones, and it, it actually connects with the city trail system in Grand Rapids. And so they've built, you know, like three or four miles, and, and um, now that, you know, that's the official route, we'll be able to uh, fill out the paperwork and get that certified, you know, as an official part of the North Country Trail. But they've also started, over the last year, scouting and flagging routes southwest of Grand Rapids heading down towards Reamer, in the existing trail in the Chippewa National Forest. And that one, I think, is going to be the first place that we start building, you know, new official North Country Trail from scratch. 
you know, that stuff um, in Grand Rapids or north of Grand Rapids. We were kind of building it as the Prairie River Trail because part of it goes along the Prairie River with the idea that once Congress passed that legislation, it would become, you know, an official part of the North Country Trail as kind of like a pre-existing trail. But that stuff southwest of, of Grand Rapids through Cohasset down uh, across a lot of Blandon land and Itasca County land and some, and some state of Minnesota owned property, you know, that's going to be new trail that hopefully we'll be able to start building next year. Uh, one of the challenges with this, fact that Congress passed this legislation, you know, we have all this new trail to build. Uh, we're still kind of operating on a shoestring budget and the National Park Service, which is responsible for the trail and has to do a lot of the administrative and behind the scenes stuff, they still only have a staff of two and a half people right now. And they cover all 4,600 miles, eight states. And so they're not really able to do the work that goes into, you know, figuring out where we're going to put 150 miles of new trail. And so we're now really trying to have some of those conversations with local partners, you know, the Chippewa National Forest, the Superior National Forest, uh, you know, a planning organization like Arrowhead Regional Development Commission, um, you know, to try and figure out what do we need to do and who can do what and what resources do we have available because, we can't just go out there and build trail. Um, you know, there's certain things that have to happen. You know, we need to make sure that we're not damaging cultural resources or threatening, you know, sensitive plants or animals. And so, you know, there's kind of the, that behind the scenes work that needs to happen. And we're, we're tr trying to figure that out so that our volunteers can get out there and do what they love to do, which is, you know, building the trail and then maintaining the trail that, that we get, you know, our volunteers, in general, don't like the bureaucracy, and so that's kind of one of the roles that I play as a staff person is to kind of be that middle person between our agency partners and their bureaucratic processes and our volunteers just to try and make sure that there's two-way communication going back and forth and that the train is heading down the track and ultimately we'll reach that train station, which is building new miles of trail. So there's actually a ton of stuff that goes into you know, building trail and, and some of it's boring, um, but, you know, we just try and soldier through that boring stuff to be able to get to that part of digging in the dirt and, and building the trail. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like there's, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. And I mean, it's just like the amount of people that use these trails, you wonder if people really think about all the work that you guys are doing that goes into it. It's just kind of like mind blowing when I'm listening to you talk about all this. <laughs> It is, yeah. It, just as an example to kind of illustrate how things can get really complicated, when we were building the North Country Trail in Tamarack National Wildlife Refuge, it was the first national wildlife refuge that the North Country Trail was, was going through, and we had to do an archaeological survey. Again, it's federal land. You know, the refuge needed to be able to ensure that we weren't going to damage any cultural resources. And so uh, collectively, we kind of scraped together some resources, hired some consulting archaeologists, and they did kind of a two-stage process, but ultimately they went and walked our flag line and kind of did what they call shovel tests along, and they found some stuff. And it kind of forced us to change our route. And in one place, they wanted us to move the route away from a lakeshore. And we were like, no, that, you know, we want to be right along the lake because that's the best place for the trail. 
Well, that was also the best place for Native Americans to camp, you know, many, many years ago. And so what we ended up doing was figuring out a way to basically build our trail on top of the ground without disturbing the ground. And so it turned out to be this really complicated project, but the end result is this really cool section of the North Country Trail along the shore of Tamarack Lake where basically the trail is built up. It's not a, a wooden boardwalk. It's more we laid down fabric built like this little timber frame and then filled it with gravel and rock, kind of a mixture. And so it's almost like a structure you would see in a wet area, you know, to kind of armor the trail and raise it up to keep hikers' feet dry. But in this case, it was built that way to protect cultural resources that were in the ground. And so, you know, that project probably took a year, you know, to get from, oh, they found something to we're building this structure. And so it's just a great example of how this can get really complicated. And, you know, hikers, when they walk across that, they may not appreciate all that that went into it. But, you know, one of the things that, that we try to do is just explain that complexity. And, you know, not everybody, you know, we don't expect volunteers to get involved in all of that stuff. But, you know, if they benefit from the trail in the long run, they can actually help by becoming a member of the organization that's sponsoring the trail, like the Spirit Hiking Trail Association or the North Country Trail Association or the Buckeye Trail Association, or the Finger Lakes Trail Conference. You know, those are some of the big ones. The Border Out Trail Association, also here in Minnesota. You know, that just making that donation or writing that check every year really helps give these organizations the resources that they need to be able to do all that stuff to enable the trail to be there on the ground. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Paul Harvey. It's, it's the rest of the story. You know, we all benefit from the hike and from that trail being there, but it's the rest of the story that, that kind of goes into it. And the other part of the rest of the story is all of the work that volunteers do to maintain the trail. Once we have it, it's great. But if we don't maintain it, you know, in this part of Minnesota where I live, you know, if we don't mow the trail within two years, it basically doesn't exist anymore. Mother Nature will just reclaim it. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a role for just about anybody to, to play in terms of volunteering. But if, if you don't have the time or the ability to volunteer, you can just join and make a donation and support the work of, you know, the, the staff that are helping out, you know, volunteers and amazing folks like Zach that are out there, you know, doing the work. Um, you know, those folks require tools and equipment and training and all this stuff. And uh, it's easier to do that when we have the resources that we need. Yeah, absolutely. And um, is there a favorite part of the trail that you guys have specifically volunteered on that you have a really strong connection to? Maybe you, Zach? I mean, the spear hiking trail is like the center of the universe to me. It's yeah. the whole thing. Like people ask me sometimes, like, what's uh, what's your favorite part of the trail? I'm like, well, from I like the part from the Wisconsin border to the Canadian border, which is the whole <laughs> hiking trail. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I do generally most of my time between the Split Rock River and Grand Marais probably, but the whole thing is so special. And I've only done the border route trail one time, but that was spectacular, that section of the North Country. And the Keki Kabik, I've kind of have a love-hate relationship with. Um, I've been on there, you know, three times. I've hiked, finished it twice. Um, I mean, it's such a grueling trail. And I remember when I did it in 2005 or six, whatever year that was, I said, I'd never go on that part of the trail again. 
And then I did last year. So, you know, never say never, I guess. But it's, <laughs> I, I kind of like it more every time. But, um, you know, the North Country Trail is special. I, I've hiked the um, Pitchard Rocks National Lakeshore over in the UP of Michigan. That's gorgeous. I love it over there. The Porkies, um, just south of my my mom and dad and my family have a cabin in the Shawamigan National Forest in Wisconsin. The big part of it goes through there. Um, but there's so much of it I haven't hiked and I'm sure will be just as special when I get around to it. You know, eventually I'll probably do my dad's family is from Western Pennsylvania and it goes right through McConnell's Mill, which is very close to them. And I've actually seen the North Kendra Show. I haven't really hiked much of it in there, but I've, you know, looked into sections out there. I'd love to go out there and hike with my cousin. Um, one of my cousins, he's come out and hiked, I think over the years, he's probably hiked about a hundred miles of the Superior Egging Trail with me. So one of these days I'll go out there and we'll do a nice backpack trip out in the, on the North Country Trail in Pennsylvania. And the stuff I've seen of the New York section, I really would love to go out in there and dabble in the Anirondacks and stuff. It's like, wow. So with a trail of that size, there's a lot of cool stuff to do. I can't imagine ever doing anything like Luke did. You know, I could, I think I get about my threshold at about a week or two weeks. You know, eventually I planned a through hike in one fell swoop the Superior Hiking Trail. You know, that would probably take three weeks or so, maybe even more. I don't like to push, push the big mileage days at all. Yeah. You know, sometimes when... I'll go out on day hikes. Sometimes I'll bring people out and it seems like they just want to get out of the woods. Like, why are you going so fast? What's the hurry? Why do you want to go home? Like, can I like just take my time, you know, maybe take a little nap next to a river or something. I don't know why the big rush to get home is, you know, get off the trail. The point is to be out here in the woods, you know, why? Exactly. So I'm not. You want to, you want to enjoy your time out there. <laughs> exactly. I'm not yeah, you know, it's hiker anymore. I'm not worried to get out of there. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you you say that, Zach, because I was just watching a video uh, from Annie Nelson's hike, and this was, the one I watched today was her finishing the northern end of the Spear Hiking Trail and starting on the Border Elk Trail, okay. and she ran into this guy that started in Ely, so he had hiked the CAC and the Border Elk Trail, and they met somewhere on the Spear Hiking Trail, and she's, she's talking to him, and she's trying to get trail intel about what's, you know, coming up for her. And the guy is like, yeah, I don't know why I'm hiking so fast. He's like, this year, you know, I told myself I'm going to slow down. He said, I bought a fishing license and I'm carrying a fishing pole. It, it, trying to slow myself down, he's like, it's not really working. He's like, I don't know why I keep hiking so fast. It's like I forget that I want to be out here and then I don't want to finish up and go home and go back to work and do all that fun stuff. So right. it was just interesting. <laughs> See, that's the whole point. And you shouldn't be in a hurry when you're out there, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I remember the days of covering miles where you think like, oh, I can get one more campsite in or whatever on, on a certain day. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm If I get to the top of the hill, I take a breath. Like, I'm just going to chill for a while. I don't need to get out of there, you know. Just take your time. If it's getting a little late in the day, oh, well, you might have to drive home in the dark. That's not a big deal. Let me give you one one of my favorite spots. There's a spot actually out in North Dakota that uh, I've been helping to mow for the last 10 years or so. It's in Lone Tree Wildlife Management Area, and it's the spot called Teepee Ring Hill. 
And, you know, the, one of the reasons why I love North Dakota is I love views. And if you think about hiking in the prairie, what do you get all the time is views. And you can actually hike there in the summer and enjoy it because generally there's a decent breeze that kind of keeps the mosquitoes down a little bit. But anyways, on this TP Ring Hill, it's this, you know, kind of conical-shaped hill that, I don't know, it's maybe 150 feet high from the bottom. And you get to the top, and it just has this 360-degree view. If you look to the north and the east, there's these two lakes that kind of spread out. If you look to the west, you can see, I don't know, 20 miles up the Cheyenne River um, Valley, kind of uh, up towards the headwaters of the river. But anyways, it's called Teepee Ring Hill because at the top, there is these huge rocks, you know, I don't know, like a couple feet in diameter, a ring. And that was a, I think it was a Sioux campsite. And they had these rocks to hold down the edge of their teepee. And they would camp up there because they could see, you know, again, 20 miles. And they could see if there was a, you know, an enemy war party coming. And they could get out of the bugs. And they had water just down the way. And so, and then there's this huge boulder, like a glacial erratic on the top. And I'd probably seen it five times before I walked over there and looked down. And there's one of those round depressions carved out of the rock where Native American women would have ground grain you know, ground corn and made flour. And just like, it, it makes it real, this connection that, you know, we're hiking through this landscape that people have been on for thousands of years and we're no different than them. You know, we may have Gore-Tex and a fancy backpack, but, you know, we're just there to experience, you know, mother nature and all the, the beauty out there. And so it's finding those cool spots where, you know, you can have those kinds of experiences to make connections with other people, you know, whether it be thousands of years ago or, you know, people that were just there the day before you. Um, you know, that's one of the cool things about trails is they connect people, you know, through time and space. And, you know, that's what we try to do when we route the trail is to find those gems, you know, and the gem could be, you know, a 300-mile section or it can be that one spot like Teepee Ring Hill, you know, and if we string together enough of them, it provides the, the type of experience that Congress really intended when it said, hey, this is a National Scenic Trail. Because there's only 11 of them in the country. So we, we try to keep reminding ourselves every now and again that, hey, this is pretty important. You know, this isn't just some trail. This is, you know, important to the whole nation because Congress created it. Right. It's a national park. It's just as important as Yellowstone or Yosemite or, you know, anything like that. It's, you know, it's a big thing when you see that that arrowhead, you know, insignia, the the shield thing. I mean, that's, it makes you like, whoa, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, all the history and time that goes into it. And I mean, all the, the volunteer work that you guys are doing in it too. It's just, I think just hearing all this is, I think so many hikers take those trails for granted. So when you hear these stories and the history behind it, it just really makes it, come to life and makes it so much more real and meaningful. Part of the North Country Trail is telling that story. You know, who lived here before us? What did they do? You know, and places like this give us an opportunity to weave in some of those stories of, you know, the great cutover or Native Americans and, and uh, early voyagers. You know, there's a piece of the North Country Trail in Wisconsin called the Brule uh, St. Croix Portage that is historic travel way between the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River. And so Native Americans used that for thousands of years. Early North American explorers, you know, used that same route. 
And when you hike the North Country Trail now, there's these little monuments along the way that give the name and the date of when some of these famous people traversed. So again, it's another one of those mm-hmm. cool spots that gives you the idea that there's a whole lot. You know, we might not have 14,000 foot mountains or you know, be known all the way around the world as a, a super famous hiking trail, but we have these cool features that, that are really worth checking out. And, and the benefit of you know, our generally flat landscape is that anybody can go out there. You don't need to be you know, a young super athlete you know, like you might need to be on some of the, the trails out west where you're, you know, climbing to 13,000 feet. You know, we're a more gentle landscape. The glacier glacier kind of left us with that that benefit. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more accessible. Well, wow. We've touched on a lot here. I mean, is there any anything else you guys wanted to share with people about the North Country Trail? I would just throw out there that if, if people are intrigued, you know, a great way to follow kind of our, our progress is we have a uh, Facebook page that's about the Arrowhead reroute, and it's kind of segued the last year from advocacy, you know, help us convince Congress that this is a great idea, to now, you know, it's it's going to be the one place where we can keep folks up to date as we, you know, work towards building this new trail mm-hmm. in the Gap area. Um, you know, if pe- people are interested in getting involved, like I said earlier, you know, they can visit our website, click on that volunteer tab, fill out that application, and we'll, we'll try and find them, you know, an opportunity to get involved. Uh, but that Arrowhead Reroute Facebook page is another great way to kind of keep track of, you know, this this big project to close that gap in northeastern Minnesota. So that's one thing. And, and they can just search on Facebook Arrowhead Reroute. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, just I just like to say that getting involved in trail, anything to do with the trail, if you like hiking, that it's such a rewarding thing to get out there and actually help out. You know, I can't tell you enough how it just, I don't know, it just makes you feel great that you're helping something that means so much, you know, to probably to you. I mean, just getting out there and and knowing that you maybe built that bridge or you maybe stopped that campsite or that you cleared that section of trail. It's just something that at the end of the, you know, going out for a weekend, when you come back on Monday, you take a shower, you get cleaned up, you go to bed and then you think like, ah, I'm exhausted, but that was one dang good weekend, (laughs) you know, and I did did some good work. So you feel really good about yourself when you're done. And there's a lot of stuff to do out there. Yeah. And I would just echo to say that, you know, the, when we build trail or we maintain trail, we're doing it for the long term. Like I always tell, you know, our volunteers when we're building trail that, you know, this trail, the, the way we build it, it's going to be here until the next continental glacier comes and kind of wipes us all off the landscape. Um, you know, we build it to be sustainable and we maintain it to provide that good experience. And like Zach said, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than doing trail work because, you know, you typically walk in, you work and you come out and you get to walk over your own work and it gives you the best warm, fuzzy feeling to know that you helped and that you know people are going to be walking and enjoying this trail because of you know your work it's uh it's it's a cool feeling definitely i do gotta ask so when you guys would bring your young kids out to do this volunteer trail work what type of volunteer work were they doing i mean were were you letting them use the tools when they were little um yeah i'd have them shovel out the fire pits you know that's the thing that you can go through they know to kind of look through and oh look at there's some tinfoil we know that tinfoil doesn't burn we better pack that out <laughs> or 
oh, here's some plastic. Here's a big gob of, you know, aluminum cans. Better take that out. But, you know, they get that little shovel. They can dig it out, fill up a bucket. We'll go spread those ashes out in the woods. Um, uh, they know how to, like, hey, go check out, see how that latrine looks. How how deep is it? I think it'll last, you know, another, I think it'll last till fall. They can look in there like, yeah, that's good. You know, we teach them, like, yeah, that's getting a little high, you know, stuff like that. You know, um, they can use a loppers when they're when they're little. We've got a our campsite that we've adopted has a kind of a long spur from the main trail down to the campsite, and they know to think now that they're big, they really know to lop it out so you're not getting caught on on the branches as you're going in. Just make it a nice wide spot. So you know when you're in doubt, just chop it, and they know that. But um, yeah, mostly when they were little, it was a lot of shoveling and uh you know just testing the bench oh and if there was um fire rings that weren't the fire ring you know sometimes people kind of go off and make their own tent pad off away from the main group and make their own little fire ring like oh that's a renegade firing let's dismantle that you know put some leaves over so that you can can't tell where it was you know they they can do that when they're young too they can kind of learn that early i think yeah, and I just was finding some pictures from my Facebook page. Uh, this is the North Country Trail in Itasca State Park, and we got to this spot as a family, and my kids are like, oh, my word, we need to turn around. You know, we can't get past this. And literally five minutes later, we had it all cleared, and they were like, wow. You know, like, you can do an awful lot of work, you know, with sharp tools and being safe and, you know, not whacking your siblings <laughs> with those sharp tools, you know. Um it was such a cool experience. I was told, telling my wife afterwards, like, I'm so glad that, you know, our kids are to that point now where rather than just saying, hey, you know, sit down, mom and dad are going to take care of this, you know, we can tackle it together as a family. And they really learned from that one tree that, wow, you know, you can, you can do an awful lot with, you know, sharp tools and working safely uh, because, you know, they got to see it. They got to do it themselves. And, you know, they, they tell their friends like, Hey, you know, we got to do this on the, on our trail and, you know, it was so cool. And it gives, again, it gives kids a, a glimpse into what's possible, you know, cause I think sometimes we undersell kids on, you know, what they can do and, you know, kids can do an awful lot. And if we give them those opportunities to, you know, stretch their wings and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a really good story with mowing the North country trail this summer in Itasca that's pretty close to where that picture was there was a tree that was down and I was cutting it with my folding saw and I needed my daughter to sit on one end of it to kind of take some of the pressure off so my saw wouldn't get stuck and when I finished the cut like I was leaning over so far that I totally lost my balance and I did like a flip over the log and my daughter is sitting on the other end just laughing hysterically because dad finished cutting and I'm doing a somersault into the brush and we think of that you know, when we stopped at that spot as a family, like Zach was talking about, you know, these memorable spots that you pass along your section of the trail, Ruthie says, hey, to her siblings, this is a spot where dad did the somersault into the brush. <laughs> so, you know, it's those, it's those funny moments that sometimes as a parent, you kind of have to realize that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, we're human and we can goof up and our kids think it's kind of a neat story. <laughs> right. One, one other time we were coming out when Jackson was pretty little and and for some reason he has like it seemed like he had when he was really young hiking would make everything shake out of him and he had to you know do a little number two 
I was like, yeah, I really have to go. And we're about a mile and a half in. I'm like, oh, can't you make it? No, I really have to go now. I'm like, oh, all right. And so I'm digging in my backpack trying to find my little, you know, my little pooping trowel trying to find it. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't, I can't find anything that we can, The I don't think I brought it in this pack. I think it's in our other backpack. And my older son's like, dad, uh, why don't you use the big shovel that you use for <laughs> oh it never occurred to me that this giant shovel that i moved out of the way (laughs) to that's not the like my brain was going like that's not the pooping shovel that's the fire shovel. oh yeah i guess i get he was like why don't you just use that one (laughs) that's great i was just like so specific oh no that's the pooping shovel right there and anyway that that hike is kind of funny for some reason my older son had these um baseball gloves like you know batting gloves and he had and my younger one was was using was wearing one for some reason and so we went and he went and that we went to go to the bathroom and he took the the glove off and then we went back on the trail by the time we got to the trailhead it's like oh no we forgot where's my glove so we forgot the glove so that was in the fall of of that year so then the winter comes boom and then we have to go back in there in the fall and we hiked in we kind of got the sense you know, it's a, somewhere along the trail, and there's no real big descriptive spot. But I kind of like thought, hmm, I think this is right about the spot where we went in to do the, you know, to, to go to the bathroom with the shovel. So I just kind of went back behind a few trees, up over this log, blah, blah, blah. And there's the glove. <laughs> it was sitting right there. And I'm like, oh, God, I found it. It just kind of got chewed on over the winter and stuff. But there it was. So, yeah, I have no idea how I knew in this very nondescript stretch of woods that that's where it was, but something kind of just said, Hey, it's right in here. So yeah, it's another one of those monumental little moments that you always remember, you know, that's great. That's what it's all about. Just making those memories like that. Yeah. Yeah. That totally is what it is about. Well, Oh, wow. We touched on. Yeah. So much. This has been super, super awesome. You guys. Thank Um, you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You know, just, keep hiking get out in the woods just you know it's just walking that's all it is and just living out there that's kind of what i say some people are like oh you gotta have some you know major skills or something like that no no just you need to walk in the woods and it's just the greatest shoes thing on there. your feet and a trail to follow that's all you need So I really like the point that Zach and Matt both made at the very end of the podcast. They mentioned hiking is just walking. It's just putting one foot in front of the other, and you don't need anything special to do it. One of our favorite yoga teachers once said, the only thing mandatory in life is breathing. Everything else is optional. Well, that can absolutely be applied to the trail. The only thing mandatory on the trail is your body and the trail. Everything else is optional. One of the really cool things that I actually just signed up for was their Hike 100 Challenge, which is hiking that 100 miles of the North Country Trail over the course of this upcoming year. And they put this challenge on every year just to get people out there and get people on the trail. It's a good way to familiarize yourself with a trail that you may not have one either heard of or two just 
haven't really been out and hiked like like Sarah and I. We haven't really hiked any portion of this trail other than the Superior Hiking Trail. And we've we have actually started out on the Superior Hiking Trail before it was even designated as part of the North Country Trail. And this is something that we have as a goal for 2020 now is to get out and explore more of the North Country Trail. Yeah, and I think hearing their stories about all the memories that they made with their families on the trail was also really cool because the more you get out on the trail, the more special it's going to become to you. And it was so clear listening to their stories that there's such a rich history of their family's traditions on there. It's also really cool to hear the history that was on these trails before we stepped foot on them. And that also got me thinking and wanting to be more uh, reflective upon the history of the trails when we're hiking on them. If you're interested in learning more about the North Country Trail or how you can get involved with various volunteering opportunities, or if you wish to even just make a donation, um, go to northcountrytrail.org and they have tons of information out there. Plus they have their volunteer tab where you can go and sign up um, to be a volunteer. And they also have various Facebook groups. Um, one of them that Matt had mentioned is the Arrowhead Reroute. So if you're interested in the work that they are doing with the Arrowhead Reroute that was recently designated this past year, um, go to that Facebook page and like it and follow along with the various progress that they're making with the Arrowhead Reroute. We'll have links to everything in the description of this episode. All you need is shoes and a trail. Get out there. You don't even need shoes. Thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.